0: Hello, 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 and welcome back to a brand new episode of The Darius Show. As always, my name is Darius Cook, and if you're new around here, here's how we do things. I watch a show, I talk about that show, you listen, and you enjoy. For today, we are talking about the Apple TV brand new series called The Shrink Next Door. This is actually based off of true events where a psychiatrist ends up taking advantage of uh, a very rich patient who happens to live very near to him. I actually discovered this by listening to the podcast that covers it as like a true crime series, but Apple TV brought it to life with a absolutely stacked cast. This has Will Farrell, Paul Rudd, and Katherine Hahn, amongst many more, but really those are the the big three names that are on display on this show. I had a lot of fun watching this. It plays out like a true crime drama series. It's There's a lot going on here. I haven't seen a lot of people talking about this, which doesn't make sense to me, because uh, again, the cast is just all-star, but but hopefully uh, this review will get uh, some respect on it and get some of you guys to watch it. Without further ado, let's go, the shrink next door, let's roll the intro. It's the Darius Show, y'all already know. Drop your booty to the floor, come give me some more. It's the Darius Show. It's the Darius Show. So the shrink next door. As I mentioned before, this the star started cast. The show, the show stars Marty, who is played by Will Ferrell. He's kind of the main character. All of the events circle around his storyline. And that being said, the second main star of the series is definitely Paul Rudd and his character, Dr. Ike. And basically this the circumstances around the series are Marty is somebody who is very anxious. He's emotionally stunted. He, he can't really speak publicly. He has problems making decisions. And when you put any pressure on him, he just folds. And he's a very nice guy, but you can tell that he hasn't had to deal with much hardship in his life. And, where the story picks up, he has just he's just taken over his company from his father, and both of his parents have passed away. Him being the eldest sibling, he kind of has to take over and be in charge of things now. Of course, he is aided by his younger sister, Phyllis, who, while while Phyllis is his younger sister, where we find ourselves in the story, she is definitely the maternal one for him. In the absence of his parents, she certainly is the one who emotionally takes care of him and is kind of the leader of their little cell of their family. She also has two kids, and where we pick up, she is just getting out of a nasty divorce. So she certainly has a whirlwind of problems going on in her own life, but she is still there for Marty. They have a very close relationship. That being said, the actual first shot of the series that we get is kind of a cold open that picks up in 2010. And what we see is Marty kind of navigating this party where he seems very out of place. This is completely out of context. We don't know what's going on. It's a scene that we end up picking back up on in episode uh, seven towards the conclusion of the series. But at this point, we don't know what's going on. However, the resentment on Marty's face is clear. (laughs) And you see him interacting with Dr. Ike and just, just blind going into this, I didn't even know which actor was casted to play which character. So I really didn't know what was going on here. However, my general impression was that he wasn't even somebody who was known by Dr. Ike. He was, he was very much so just passing him off. So that was an interesting way to jump into it. The show does play with the timeline a little bit and will cut you into a certain event at random time. So you do have to pay attention to what's going on here. And you can't miss those, those cues where they explain to you what year we're in and what, what point along the timeline we're looking at. Jumping back to the main story, where we find ourselves picking up with these characters for the first time, really, is in 1982. So we're looking at the early 80s. And one thing I'd like to shout out really quick is the soundtrack for the series. Each episode accompanies a well-known song, songs that everybody knows, from the 80s. That gives it a great atmosphere and kind of sets the tone for the type of energy and the era that we're looking at. Very, very uh, emerging modern, you know, the... The type of trends that you would see in the 80s, everything becoming a little bit more technology based and stuff like that. That energy and just style in general is very present throughout the series. And each episode does its uh, does its own to kind of add to that flavor a little bit. Just a nice little detail. But like I said, we pick up with Marty and he's having really a tough time just kind of navigating his own world. He is a shell. He he doesn't he struggles even just doing his basic job without his sister to kind of come in and bail him out, as we see multiple times throughout the series. Uh, And she's really just urging him to go see a psychiatrist, something he's never considered before. And it should be noted that, you know, given the context of when this takes place, the early 80s seeing a psychiatrist seeing a therapist or a shrink was highly stigmatized and you know now now we live in a world where nobody's going to argue with you that you should see a therapist I personally have the belief that everyone should see a therapist I found great value in seeing one myself and but you know going back to the timeline that this story is taking place it makes sense why he's so hesitant to see one even though he clearly has a lot to benefit from doing so However, he eventually, you know, decides to listen to her and he says, you know what, I'll at least go to one meeting. Why not? It can't hurt, right? And this very first session that we see with Will Ferrell and Paul Rudd, at this point, I'm just going to refer to them as their character names. So Marty and Ike, Dr. Ike. Uh, I really like their first initial therapy meeting. As the series progresses and plays out, we see multiple instances where dr Ike crosses the line from patient to therapist boundaries you know and by the end of it it's clear that he's a bad therapist a sadistic one even um however in this first meeting I actually think for the most part I mean there's a couple comments here and there from Paul Rudd's character that make you a little suspicious of him however I think he is a pretty good therapist at the very least he's a he's an excellent he's excellent at At analyzing people and we see multiple instances where we we get the bird's eye view of seeing him in these interactions in these therapy sessions whether that be with Marty or with a different side character or even Phyllis that comes in episode three we see him quickly able to identify certain spots in these characters lives where there is actual problems he doesn't always have the best diagnosis on how to treat it However, he's very clear and very uh, efficient at identifying what the problems are in these people's lives. So on one hand, he is a very good psychiatrist. What he, if he's, what he falters in is that he has no boundaries and he takes advantage of the people that he's helping. But of course, we'll get into all of that. But yeah, that, that first meeting that they have, I think it goes really well. And I think that he's actually able to provide some very good advice slash treatment towards Marty, at least as it pertains to just their first meeting. However, as soon as the first meeting concludes, we immediately see the first instance of Dr. Ike being inappropriate, and that is when he basically invites him to hang out, you know. This meeting has to come to an end, but you know, I feel like we're making some progress. So, if you want to keep this ball rolling, I'm going to go grab some lunch. Of course, I'm going to have to charge you. We we in the first half of these episodes, while we're the audience is still not sure where we land with Dr. Ike, is he a great therapist? That kind of goes over the line in terms of his relationship, or is he actually trying to get something? Is he trying to take advantage of his patient here? And so in those early episodes, it's important that you pay attention to the specific dialogue because Dr. Ike does not miss a beat. He will always remind you, I got to charge you. I've got to charge you. And I think that's the revealing nature of his character we see him focused on money and material objects and stuff like that throughout the whole first half of the series before he really starts taking advantage of Marty, like before he does it in such a notable way that it can't be refuted. You can see it in the things that he chooses to pay attention to. Along with this point, uh, one thing that is worth uh, pointing out is that there is a battle early on that Ike very genuinely helps Marty overcome, and that's with The relationship that Marty finds himself at the beginning of the series. And he basically has just broken up with this girl. However, she feels like she's promised a vacation that they had spoken about in their relationship to go to Mexico. And she's, you know, because Marty is such a folding person, such accommodating person, he doesn't have the stones to tell her, no, I'm not going to pay for your vacation. And so rather than tell her that, He's kind of just hiding from her, hiding using his sister as a shield, avoiding this situation altogether. And Dr. Ike actually talks him up and gives him the courage and stands by him, to be fair, uh, to actually take care of that situation and put his foot down. And that's the first real victory we see from Marty, see see him actually do something on his own. There is a moment where it is kind of robbed from him and Dr. Ike kind of just does the talking for him and just defends him. It's another person just being Marty's cheerleader is something we see a lot of. However, it still is a major W for Marty. And it's the first sign that he is able to make some progress here. And that, and that really is a good uh, transition to get into what the heart of this series is really trying to get after. Because for every deplorable, questionable thing that we see Dr. Ike do with Marty, we also see a bit of progress on Marty's part. And it can't be ignored while while at the center of this is a tale of somebody taking advantage of somebody else. Right. That is what's happening. And by the end of the series, they hit that message clear that what Dr. Ike is doing is not okay. However, it cannot be ignored. There is truth to the fact that Marty did benefit from this relationship, at least in some way. He started off at a point where he could barely speak. To people or make any confrontation possible and by the end of it he is somebody who's able to claim his independence and his manlihood. that being said at what cost uh, we'll get into that later let's let's get more linear here don't worry we're gonna tie back into at what cost trust me what we see over the course of the next few episodes to call it the two to four range is very interesting there's like three different plot lines going on i'll try to highlight them right here The first one is one that I do have a lot of fun with, and it's kind of the I Love You Man plot. If you guys have seen I Love You Man with Jim Carrey and, oh, what's the other guy's name? He's got a lot of names. I can't remember. Joseph Joseph Levin Gordon Jr., something like that. So I Love You Man, It's it's a great movie where you see this kind of friendship blossoming between two bros, you know, something you don't get to see very much in media, and that is happening here. Again, I can't ignore the fact that this is an inappropriate development for a therapist and a patient. However, the friendship that sparks between them seems very genuine. And it's it's very genuine in this first half. On the second half, it starts to lose some of that, you know, genuine flavor to it. But we just see them bond. And again, each moment that we see them bond is a bit undercut by these moments where it seems like Dr. Ike might be exploiting him, of course. But... I do think that at the core of their relationship is a genuine friendship that does go both ways. Again, I'm not ignoring the fact that Dr. Ike is a parasite to him. However, uh, there is a a friendship at the core of that, and I think that's worth noting. Another plot that's also happening at the same time here is that Dr. Ike is trying to minimize the role that Phyllis, Marty's sister, has in his life. I think that... Dr. Ike realizes that Phyllis can kind of see through his bullshit, and she has been calling him out a little bit. You know, here and there, She she's very skeptical of him. Even though she's the one who recommended, him, recommended Marty visit him in the first place, she also can kind of see that what's happening here isn't okay or isn't appropriate, let's say. And Dr. Ike slowly starts to manipulate Marty. And it happens slowly, but all at once, eventually, that... That she's that she's actually the one that's trying to mooch off of Marty. She's the one who's taking advantage of him. When in reality, we all know that that's what Ike is doing. Obviously, Phyllis is just trying to take care of her brother and have a great relationship and make sure he's okay. The way that this all comes to a head is when we find out that Marty's parents left a large, a very large trust fund to take care of their children in case of any emergency. And this is our first hint that Marty's family probably was fairly wealthy. And it gets revealed that in a conversation between Marty and Ike that Phyllis has kind of needed these emergency situations a lot. And, And that, and Ike uses this. This is... This is perfect for him. He really, he really sinks his teeth into this concept and uses it to convince Marty that she's toxic. We see him use that word a lot. He just writes people off to all of his patients that they're toxic. You need to cut them out. What I think he's doing here is by telling his patients that their close ones are toxic and they're trying to you, you know take advantage of them or they don't have their best interest at heart, he's cutting them off from their closest confidants and putting himself in a position of power over his patients where they turn to him for the answers or whatever he says is best. And and a prime example of that is what's happening with Marty. We do come across some other patients down the line that report very similar things that we, that he's cut them off from the loved ones in their life. And, and they don't even realize that he's done it until it's kind of too late and they don't have anyone in their lives. It's very interesting. But he he does. He, he corners Marty into a position where... Marty feels like this is his decision, and he completely cuts his sister off. This is the same character who we've seen in flashbacks relying on his sister just to get through moderate family events and special occasions. You know, uh, It was his bar mitzvah that he was in the bathroom kind of freaking out, and his sister is the one who was able to bring him out of that situation. But again, by episode four or five, we find ourselves in this position where she's completely cut off. We don't even see her for, like, three episodes. Like, they haven't spoken to each other in over 20 years, which is just crazy that, you know, Dr. Ike was able to convince him that this was the better option for him. So meanwhile, another plot that's been happening is the discovery of this this vacation summer house that Marty has access to. It's been left to him. And as soon as Ike realizes this, there's a moment where he comes to visit them. And you see the way he's looking around the house. And he it's this is like an aha moment for him. You can really see Paul Rudd communicates it very well with his facial acting that this is somebody who is seeing potential, opportunity, seeing a way for him to get ahead. And and there's a lot of dialogue even to imply, especially with the scenes that are just between Ike and his wife, who who is a side character for the most part, but she makes a strong impression with the scenes that she is in. But when you see their interactions and, like, the struggles between their marriage, it's clear that he has aspirations of much more in his life. He wants, he wants like, a very fancy hoity-toity lifestyle. And that's what Marty has access to. So he wants to use Marty to get those things in his life. That's really what's happening here. But slowly but surely, especially down the, uh, around the middle part of the run of the series, you're seeing Ike slowly just take everything you know, he he's very masterfully putting himself in a position where Marty is offering these things to him, even though the dialogue that he's setting up is, you know, Paul Rudd's character is really in control of the situation. It's it's very interesting. I What this show does really well is depicting what master manipulation can look like, especially draw, what, later on in the series. I feel like they start to bring in gaslighting a lot. Paul Rudd's character is very good at gaslighting people. Anytime that he suggests something, and it's not what Marty wants to do. He 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 just bends Marty into a position where the only the only option that makes sense is to listen to what Marty's saying. Marty, he, or excuse me, what Ike is saying. Ike convinces Marty to have an adult bar mitzvah. He convinces him to buy a whole new home. He convinces him to tear down a tree that had great sentimental value to him. No matter what, if Ike brings it up he's going to pester about it until you feel like it's your decision to do that very thing. He always gets his way. So yeah, again, the show just really depicts that really well. And the writing is what it comes down to. The writing is very sharp and very on point. It makes you realize this could happen. Like if there was somebody who had this much energy towards you, especially speaking to someone who has problems advocating for themselves and likes that eternal validation from that friendship, this is also kind of his first like male friendship we see so he gets a lot of affirmation from that and what might also be happening is a little bit of like male-to-male validation i don't know that might be a layer i'm reading a little too uh, much into there but it, it all it all blends together for marty to just be right up ike's pocket he's right in there and does really whatever he wants he's a tool for ike to use So this is where the series, past episode five, so we're looking at like episode six and seven now, starts making some fairly significant jumps with the timeline. We start jumping by like 10 years, and we see, you know, Marty Marty and Ike start throwing these parties. This is before the time jump, excuse me. They start throwing these parties, and this isn't Marty's idea. He doesn't want to throw these parties, but Ike insists that this is going to be good for the business. It's networking, yada, yada. And at in these parties, Marty takes a very backseat role to the extent where he's actually serving people. He basically seems like a caterer and people treat him that way to the point where people don't even realize that this is his house. And slowly but surely, over 10 years, they continue to have these parties. And we pick up 10 y- years later and Marty's in the exact same position. If anything, he's even further under Dr. Ike's thumb than he was before. And at this point, 10 years later, we see the dialogue that Dr. Ike is using on this property is as if it's his own place. Like, he's really claiming it to be his own just because he's, quote-unquote, hosting the party. He's really just taking, like, credibility for all of it, including just the property itself. At this point, there has been a lot of different shots. They're very they're subtle, they're quick, but they're very present. Of the, the workers at Marty's company, they are expressing, or at least trying to, they're attempting to express that... Dr. Ike might be bad news bears. And every time that they get the chance to, there's two workers in particular, Bruce, and I forget her name. Bruce is the more prominent one. But they, he keeps trying to interject. He keeps trying to warn Marty about what's happening here. He's just asking for Marty to listen to him. He He's the one that can see that Dr. Ike is leeching off of him. Now that the sister's out of the picture, he's the only one who's really trying to, like— intervene. But what he's also noticing is Dr. Ike is tanking his company. He's spending all of his money and they're not going to be able to stay afloat after a while. It's not until the very end that Marty finally hears him and starts to realize what's happening around him. But it's, it's very, it's very nice to see that these characters were able to see what's going on, even though they have just got ignored time and time after again. Every time they tried to, to let him know, Ike would play heavy defense and would just stop it all from happening. The big moment, the big change that allows Marty to kind of wake up from this dream he's been living in for 27 years now, again, we got another time jump, and at this point, we're seeing our characters with graying hair. It's very interesting. I didn't expect for this series to take us on a, a three-decade-long journey with the characters. However, that's where we find ourselves. And he Marty ends up interacting with this character at a party, who he ends up getting gaslit by Ike to push into the pool. Anyways, they're walking away, and they're having a conversation. And it's only through hearing her experience that she has been taking adva- taken advantage of by Dr. Ike, that Marty's able to see his own experience reflected back a little bit. And that's this first kind of come-to moment. What we see over the course of a decent amount of time here is him start to question things a little bit on his own. Again, he's, he's not communicating with Ike as much. He's starting to put up a few walls because he's starting to make barriers for the first time, and... It has kind of taken this long for Marty to become the fully-fledged character that he is. We see him maturing a little bit. He's still the soft-spoken guy he is, but he's no longer craving people's approval. He's apologizing for all of his actions a lot less, something we saw a lot throughout the series. Another surprising interaction I didn't expect is when we cut to Marty in a diner, and he's dining with a young girl, and I'm like, who is this? Did you meet this girl? And it turns out to be his niece. It turns out to be one of the two girls that were Phyllis's daughters. And, you know, when you go back to the the first few episodes of the series, the the relationship, the bond that Marty had with his nieces was very strong. He he had a very prominent role in their life. And, you know, and then all of a sudden nothing. When they're like 7 to 10 years old, he's just out of their lives completely. And that resentment, they've, hold, they've held on to that. Now she's a grown adult. She's like in her 30s. And she's like, screw you. I don't want you in my life, and I don't want you in my mom's life. You screwed us. You left us completely, just like their father did, you know? Um, that, that definitely hit me like a truck. I didn't expect this character to come back the way she did, even though I knew this much time had passed. It never occurred to me, well, how old are these girls now? What's going on in their lives? I just didn't expect that kind of emotional reckoning, but they delivered on it. Of course, this sets the paveway for a big interaction with Phyllis, you know. It's been like three episodes. Where is Phyllis? I need this character back in our lives. I will say in the episodes that we didn't have her present, I really missed her. And I have to give praise to Katherine Hahn's performance. I mean, all three of these big actors are killing it. They're knocking it out of the park, all of them. They're all funny. They're all dramatic. They're all they're all traumatic. It's 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 all there. But Catherine Hahn brings so much life to her character as the overwhelmed mother, the Jewish mother who's just yelling and all over the place. But I thought her character was really well realized and the energy that she brings to the show. Let's just say that her presence was lacking for sure. You really noticed that she was gone. When she gets back into the fray, for good reason, she's very guarded towards Marty. This is her brother that she was always there for. And he cut her off for almost three decades, three full decades, she cut her off. He cut her off, excuse me, But we get we get a heartbreaking uh, line of dialogue where she lays out, you know, you missed everything. You missed their lives. You missed my life. All these ups and downs. You just weren't there completely. You were not there. Despite this, despite every reason in the world for her to hate him now, she doesn't she can't help herself, but still love him. And it shows really, I think. The, the interaction between these two actors was just, it leapt off the screen between Will Ferrell and Phyllis. They're really major players in the story. And seeing them kind of come back together as family and seeing her, her mother bear instinct kick back in for him, it was nice to see. And it was nice to see the, the hope that, that, you know, even though he really messed up, he, in all earnestness, was trying to get back and re- recapture that relationship that they had. And because he did it so earnestly, she starts to come around surely but sl- slowly but surely. Of course, as soon as we get that progress made with them, Dr. Ike comes back in in the most dramatic way possible. He wants to know why his keys don't work anymore. What's going on? Are you cutting me off, Marty? Type of interaction. And what we immediately see is a battle of wills between... Phyllis and Ike, and we see them on either side of Marty really trying to pull him their way. You know, it's kind of like come to the light side, come to the dark side. And what we see from Phyllis's perspective is, oh no, here's Dr. Ike who can control Marty. For some reason, Marty listens to him, and just like before, he's going to take him away from me. And you see her desperately reaching out and arguing for Marty to listen to her. Don't listen to him. Don't let him get in your head. All the while, I'm scared because the show has shown us time and time again that when Ike opens that mouth, Marty folds every single time, but Marty, he calmly says to Phyllis, I got this. You go wait in the car. I'll be right there, and he handles the situation. One thing I really like about Marty is he never stoops low like everybody else does. Even though he's he's a weak character at times, he's still always morally in the in the right you know he's always trying his best and he even though he's furious at this point he he knows he's acknowledged how much dr ike has taken from him over the years he's taken his life he's taken his loved ones and he's damn sure taken his money and his time but at this point he says i would like you to leave i don't want you here and he's being very calm and he's not he's not trying to he's not trying to add gasoline to the fire you know he just wants it to be over But Dr. Ike won't let it go, and it leads to a big blowout between the two of them where Marty, for the first time, firmly states, you've taken from me. I don't want you here. I'm done with this. I'm done letting you take advantage of me. And this is the moment. This is the full circle moment for Marty's character. And it calls into question, again, what I alluded to before, but, but let's just take a moment to appreciate how far Marty as a character has come. He's now an individual, he's fully a man, he's he's no longer stunted and he stands his ground for what he wants on his own against the person who has the largest leverage over him possible. Now, technically, technically speaking, you know, this was a long route to get here, but technically because of Dr. Ike's involvement in his life is where we're able to see Marty become a fully fledged individual. Now, I hate Dr. Ike. I think there's that you cannot justify the actions he takes in the series. However, because this is not a black and white story, because this has multiple layers to it, we have to, as an audience, we have to chew with this. We have to wrestle with the fact that, in a way, Dr. Ike did help Marty. And that, that is absolutely true. Not only that, but there has been a relationship carved between the two of them. As Marty's cutting him off, not only is Dr. Ike remorsing over everything he's cutting him off from, all his funds and access and all that crazy stuff, he's remorsing the loss of a friend. And I do think in a weird, twisted way that Dr. Ike does consider Marty family. I, You know, that is the relationship they've cultivated over this time. And even though he's taking advantage of him like family members can do, there is there is a bond there at the end of the day. it's very It's very complex. The final segment of the series that we get left off with is we cut to a courtroom litigation that's essentially happening, and we realize what's happening here is that Marty has lawyered up and is, like, coming for Ike and saying that his involvement with him as a doctor was inappropriate. And we don't get the full, like, diagnosis of what he was coming at him with uh, under the court of law. We don't know what he was exactly accusing him of. However, what we do see here is Dr. Ike fervently defending himself. And he's explaining to the room of everybody hearing here that I helped him, I helped this man get to the point where he could even do something like this, you know? He hired me and I helped him get there. And the final note that he ends off on is, I don't know everything, but I know that I'm not a bad man. And that is such an interesting question for his character, me, the viewer, at least as far as it pertains to how this character was portrayed by Paul Rudd and the writing of the show, I don't know that they ever definitively make you feel like Dr. Ike knew how much damage he was doing. Or was he was he just so caught up in the fantasy of kind of getting close to everything he's always fantasized about that he didn't realize that he was sucking Marty dry? I don't, I just don't know. I think that his ego is so big that he did truly feel like he was helping Marty along with him which there is an argument to be made there again the actions that he does are inexcusable like at the end of the, at the end of the day the effect that he has on Marty is a terrible one and he he does take advantage of him for years and years but from his perspective is he looking for a way to take advantage of Marty or is he just doing his thing and these are the outcome i don't know there's a complex discussion to be had here i'm going to need you guys to let me know what's going on here what do you think what's your take on the situation However, once their courtroom kind of descends, and we get we get one last big interaction between Marty and Ike, and this happens out in the hallway, and and this is this is really I think the it, this capsulizes the entire series in a very pointed way, and it's you see you see Doctor Ike like kind of desperately trying to get back to Marty and this is one moment that really you know ending it on this moment I think was a strong choice because it kind of reminds you that Dr. Ike did have a friendship with this guy you know the, the circumstance was what it was but at the end of the day they spent nearly three decades together almost every day and Dr. Ike is like what we see in the dialogue is that Dr. Ike wants to be his friend still and that's really something he's mourning over. Everything else, the defamation and all that other stuff. It's just that he, he really wants Doctor, he really wants uh for this relationship not to be sullied. He has a desperate nature to be liked by everyone, and that especially from Marty. He's asking about his life. How are the bees? You know this, this and that. And and Doctor, excuse me, Marty gives him one last chance. He says, "Is there is there anything you want to say to me?" Anything, you know, this has nothing to do with lawyers. This is just me to you after three decades. And he says, I forgive you. <laughs> Obviously, what we wanted to hear here from the audience's perspective was, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I fucked you up, man. Like, that's really all Marty was looking for. I think Marty doesn't care about getting financially reimbursed or anything like that. I don't think he cares. He just wants to be apologized to, and I think if that was the case, Marty could move forward in a, in a positive way, maybe not be best buddies with the guy, but I think that there is a relationship to be had moving forward if Dr. Ike acknowledges everything that happened in an apologetic way, but Dr. Ike is completely incapable of seeing that side of things, and he's just still caught up in his own version of everything that happened, and it kind of just ends there, Marty says, you know, I kind of feel bad for you. I hope you find happiness, but I don't think you will. And for the first time, the shoe's on the other foot. Marty is the evolved one with something to be envied from Dr. Ike. Dr. Ike is stuck in this materialistic, who knows, this woo-wall, just he's really, his far is five feet up his own ass. We even know in this episode that his marriage is failing as well. So that that's also a problem for him. But again, he's, he's incapable of seeing the error of his ways here, and he, he walks off all pompous as he is. Um, at this point, the, the series is over, and we get a few tags of statistic information from this real-life situation. So I'll, I'll rattle these off really quick. The, the show tells us that three, $3.2 million of Marty's own money was given to Dr. Ike over the course of 27 years. Now, I don't care what kind of doctor you are, what kind of therapist you are. That's way too much money from one individual to another just for you know, basically being his cheerleader. So, so keep that in mind for this type of relationship. 3.2. I mean, these guys are best friends. Does your best friend give you 3.2 million to do a job for them? I don't know. That that was that was tough to see. That this is the real life statistics, by the way. These are the real people, Marty and Ike. Ike really got 3.2 million off of him. Now it doesn't end there. Another patient who was left anonymous left 20 million dollars in their will to Dr. Ike. So it doesn't even matter even if even if Marty was able to rectify the situation and you know get some kind of re- financial reprimation towards him, This guy's, Dr. Ike is still walking away a millionaire. He did get everything he wanted. He was able to live the life he he wanted to live, throw the parties he wanted to live forever, get to that status, that social esteem that he wanted to. He's a multimillionaire at this point. And and it also lets us know that there were many other people, patients who came forward to let them know that Dr. Ike had encouraged them to cut themselves off from their family members and loved ones. So we're left with the, this was hinted at a couple times while watching it that he has other patients that he is doing a similar thing to. But then we get the we get the hard evidence that he didn't just do this to Marty. He did this to a lot of people, and he he essentially psychologically gets in there, gives you some motivating advice, makes you feel validated. He sees you, and then he makes he convinces you that the people in your life, your actual loved ones, are the ones trying to take advantage of you. All the while, he's got his hands deep in your pockets, taking advantage of you himself, and he does it masterfully. What we really see here is a story of an evil genius villain who who really just does his job perfectly. Um, it's a little upsetting that we never see him get his comeuppets in the series, but the final statistic that we are left with is that ten years after Marty's complaint, you know, the complaint assumably that we saw depicted on screen in that last episode. It took 10 years after that point for, his, for Dr. Ike's license to be revoked. A somber reality to the fact that people get to do this stuff for way too long. If it's 10 years after that point, we're looking at almost 50 years here that he was able to just accumulate money taking advantage of people here left and right. And just because it got revoked, I don't think that means that he doesn't still have access to all this money. Like, he's still won; It doesn't matter that he's not a working therapist at the age of 65 or whatever the case is anymore. He's definitely ready to retire with his over $20 million. So, yeah, that's where we leave this story. Um, <laughs> a bit of a somber note, but it is important to recognize that Marty, Marty did get himself out of this situation. And just because that much of his life was taken away from this individual, he still has a lot of life to live. He's able to pick up the pieces of his broken life with his family. He has a new family, too. I mean, he's got grand, uh, nieces and nephews. I think that's how that works. But, you know, his sister has grandchildren. He has this family that has welcomed him back in his life. And even though he was pretty much deuced out of their lives for almost 30 years, he is such a sweet guy at his core that he is able to kind of rekindle that relationship with them. And that's where we leave our character with Marty. A somber tale of a great man. Uh, or at least a a well-intentioned man who ends up getting taken advantage of by so many people in his life but and but throughout the course of this journey finds himself back on the right path with his family and loved ones guys thank you for listening to this review recap and discussion the shrink next door was a was a tense thrilling funny at times and dramatic tale that i had a lot of fun watching and listening to the podcast if you're if you're listening to this, that means you've seen the show or you just like hearing my voice. But <laughs> you should also check out the podcast version of this story. It goes into more details about the real life, and it's definitely worth listening to. Paul Rudd, Catherine Hahn, and Will Ferrell, you guys knocked out of the park. I, I'm very excited to see these actors uh, take a bigger role. I mean, Paul Rudd and Catherine Hahn, both coming from the MCU, are both blowing up in big ways. It's not the first time I've seen Will Ferrell do dramatic work, but he knocks it out of the park here. His character work is very strong. I'm ready to see a a new Will Ferrell renaissance, let's say. I'll make this commitment. The next thing Will Ferrell does, I'll definitely review on this channel. So for all you Ferrell stands out there, stay tuned. And thank you for listening to another episode of The Darius Show. If you made it this far, I want to hear some feedback. What should I listen to next? What did I get wrong about this review? Let me know at thedshowpod at gmail.com. That's t h e d s h o w p o d at gmail.com, thedshow at gmail.com. Thank you so much for giving this a listen. And, hey, maybe tell somebody. Maybe send this to somebody, you know. I know not a lot of people are watching this show, but if you're listening to this, you must like my voice at least a little bit. And it would mean the world if you gave me a follow and shared this with your friends. But that's going to be it for me. Thank you for listening to another episode, and I love you.